Good morning and welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I want to be uh, welcome my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Doing terrific, Todd. It's great to be back on the show and um, on all these uh, live streaming platforms. You always work hard to get this show up and going um, on all these platforms. It's always amazing <laughs> that it always works. Well, or it most of the time it, it works. It doesn't yeah. always work, but uh, yeah, that's uh, this morning just uh, I was all thumbs, but Anyway, welcome everyone to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be joined by a guest a little bit uh, later. We're going to be joined by Casey Weiland. He is a uh, fictional podcaster, and he's been around the space a long time. So we'll, uh, we'll be talking to him. I think he's going to come in at the bottom of the hour here, and we're, we're getting a little late start. I must apologize. I'm dealing with uh, nasal stuff, so uh, didn't take I, it. Yeah, I am too, so... I didn't so take both a, in the same boat. I didn't take a decongestant <laughs> this morning when I woke up, but I, I do have my coffee. So, Rob, lots of stuff going on. You know, I thought this morning that I would have, uh, we'd have a big announcement to talk about, but we are, um, we're on hold, we hope, until Tuesday. <laughs> so, uh, those of you that were anticipating something on Thursday, from us and others uh it it's been pushed to tuesday but um yeah about uh, monday it's here what was no wednesday night about really about eleven thirty or 12 oh, it was late my time no no it was late east coast time it was early my time six thirty seven here uh which would have been almost midnight and i was like they said we're holding we're holding we're not going and i was like what i've got it people with embargoed press releases and and uh partners ready to uh you know you know with their stuff and i'm so i'm sending i'm thinking no one's gonna get this right (laughs) (laughs) and by a miracle no one had their stuff set to auto publish so we were like able to put the emergency brakes on at the last minute um so we'll we'll see if we have something Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I mean, you kind of have to read read between the lines, but but I think what's coming is a pretty pretty big and monumental you know announcement in the direction of the of the whole medium. So it'll be good to see this thing happen. But yeah, you're right. There's been some delays. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to change the graphic here. Let me get that. Uh, there we go. All right. Yeah, so anyway, that, uh, and we would expect uh, that news to come. I hope, if it doesn't come next week, it really, <laughs> we might as well wait to the end of the new year, you know. Yeah, and then you're getting into the holiday time. Right. People are off. And, and no yeah. one's no one's going to see anything anyway, you know. So I'm like, right. but I'm like, I'm thinking, no, I have to go Tuesday because I've got a whole series of, you know, things planned and I already had to push things back. So, uh, yeah, okay. It is what it is and read right. between lines, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about rad and the, uh, the, the reaction to rad and the announcement that was made on December 11th by NPR, which ha- came out on Tuesday. Right. So they made an announcement that um, essentially the RAD was continuing to move forward. And um, the, um, there was another companies that were on the RAD 
a blog post press release that said they're being involved. And um, ACAST, AdWiz, Art19, um, Awesome Sound, Blueberry Podcasting, Panoply, Omni Studio, PodTrack, PRI, PRX, Radio Public, Triton Digital, Wide Orbit, and Wooska have all said they're going to support it. Now, right, but there was a second list too on here that um, of companies that support it and have participated in pushing it, but are, I don't know that they're fully on board yet. Yes, so there's kind of two two lists. Two, Two levels. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think what you, what we have to be aware of here and so that everyone's, cause there's been a lot of discussion on all the social media platforms, um, some tweets by some app developers. But if you look at that list, who's on that list, Rob? Podcasting companies, right? Right. Yeah. Well, podcast hosting and I, I would argue that some of the people that are on that list, uh, don't really need to be there. Right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure actually why they are. Yeah. Other, I mean, other than their content networks, right? Yeah. So, so content networks don't really have entirely a, uh, a, a dog to hunt in this game. Right? right. Um, yeah. And here's the other list. It says, furthermore, these companies support and participate in rad for, so have participated in pushing rad forward. So it's kind of, Interesting that there's a different list, and I understand why. Uh, right. But Cadence 13, Edison Research, ESPN, Google, iHeart, Libsyn, The New York Times, New York Public Radio, Vox Nest, and Wondery. Right. So that's a lot of podcasting companies. That's right. Platforms. Uh, platforms, platforms that said they content would. Content companies. And, yep. you know, our support is, yes, if the data is out there, we will get it. We will process it and we will display it to our content creators. Right. We would be remiss if we didn't, if it was available. Right. But I'm right. not an app developer. Right. I don't control the, the overcast and the pocket cast of the world to implement rad. So. Well, we are, I mean, we have our own listening apps. Right. So, you have, right. you do. Right. So right. L let's, let's look at, the response from Marco at Overcast. He's like, right. you know, uh, he could have, if he, if he could have put up two middle fingers, he would have <laughs> because he said, no, I'm not putting this in my app. You guys already have enough digital data. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's worried about a lot of the issues that Apple's worried about. And a lot of the issues that a lot of these app companies are, are, are concerned about. I mean, what is their real motivation here to put the development time in here? Um, th there's nothing in it for them. Right. It, it doesn't really help the listener at all. No, at least from what, um, we can tell. Uh, and so, you know, if you look at this list of companies, there's only a couple of them in here that actually have apps right. that uh, would be impacted by this or players. Yep. Um, now, granted, there's quite a few <clears throat> web players True. <clears throat> that are built into this list of companies, right? Um, but the there's not many um, um, apps like right. you would expect, you know, Pocket Cast. Well, or, Pocket Cast, remember, yeah, right. they before they were acquired, they said they would, or when right. they were acquired, they said, and again, NPR is a, Owner, owner, do they, right. yeah, owner, partner, whatever. But they said, we're still autonomous. Right. We're not putting, and it's not on the list. And he said, we're, <laughs> we're not putting rad. And they said that when they were acquired and they re, they re, is this a word reiterated the, the, right. uh, via tweet. Hey, we're just so everyone knows we're not putting rad in. So you've got an NPR owned app that is basically 
no, no. we're not doing right. it. <laughs> so, right. Okay, so that's two. Um, right. And I saw an interesting, I probably can't quote it. It was in a Slack channel that I'm right. in. Yeah. And someone got a little upset when we asked or when Daniel asked, Hey, where, where's the app developers? You're going to implement this, uh, right. implement this thing. Who, who, which apps are going to implement this? And the response essentially was if they want to help this, if they want to help the space forward, they will implement rad. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Well, that is, uh, that is kind of a, that's not the approach. <laughs> no, no. That's not the approach. The approach is, we'll pay you to implement this, to help, to your right. development cost. Here's the benefits. Can you, can, and, and I still think, you know, they're going to have a hard time. Plus, yeah. Apple, are yeah. they on board? We don't know. Google and Apple's not on this list anywhere. No, well, and even even Google is not on the will support. It's on the we support the the potential idea mm -hmm. and have participated at what level of pushing red? I'm not sure. Not much. Uh, right. Not very um, high. So Google isn't really fully on board well, with this Go either. Google's um, stance was that and. I got this from a second party within Blueberry. So I just, it comes from within our company. Right. I didn't hear Google say this direct, that they would have to talk to their different divisions to get buy-in. You know, they, they think this is good, but they have to run this up the flagpole just like any other big, massive company. And they probably yeah. got to get 13 sign-offs, you know? Right. So... And there is a factor here with the GDPR stuff. Oh. Is this only going to going to benefit people that are uh, you know users that are in the the U.S. Well, and not you know mostly. I don't. How do they do that then? They assign two different apps. They have to do IP querying to see where the person's. Uh, no, you know, it, no, yeah. it, you know it's like a nightmare. Right? For for us, we just implemented GDPR for U.S. customers as well. You know, right. It was well, too too hard. Yeah. To do it just in certain I, right. I, IP groups. Right. right. So we just, just can't, can't do that. So we did it globally. But so app developers are going to have to do the same thing. And in, in my opinion, and there probably will be people that will argue with this. If we, okay, collecting download log data happens by default. It right. just happens. That That's in an Apache log file. We get that information. It's there. Everybody uh, accepts it. Everybody is okay with it. it, it, it and it, right. it's anonymized and it follows the right. GDPR. We mask the right. IPs all, in all this rules yeah. we had to go through. Now, when you right. are actually going to track someone when they click play or pass an ad, that's, that's explicitly, there, there's some explicit rules in my opinion in the GDPR where when that app loads, for the first time, they're going to have to be given a disclaimer. Would you be willing to participate in having your play data recorded and sent back? There, I don't see any way around that. I just don't. Right. Now, I'm sure the NPR folks will come back and say, oh, they don't need to do that. This will still be anonymized. This is still, but this is, this is different. We're actively collecting right. behavior. 
the the the, the and, and, and we we get some behavior via log files. So what is the difference between log files from a download or, or behavior from clicking play? I think there's, in my opinion, there's a a difference. Now, some lawyer is going to have to tell me whether or not there is or isn't. But we've already set up new terms of service and all this stuff that goes on, right. and. <clears throat> had the lawyers look at it and make sure we're good. So. Yeah. Well, Todd, I, let's, let's, I think we've talked about kind of the situation fairly extensively, but let's, let's really talk quickly about, um, why I'm, you know, why is this being pushed? Right. Yeah. Why is rad even a big topic <laughs> for us? Right. Well, I, and, it, and my thought is, is that it's, it's this black hole in the industry Around downloads, right? Yep. I know that uh, many. Um, Please don't say that, Rob. There is no black hole around downloads. I know, I know. That's the perception, though, Todd. Okay. Is that once an episode is downloaded, right, 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 right. you subscribe to it. It downloads to your device. Mm -hmm. It's sitting on your device. Yep. And at Have some they, point, somebody comes back in there and plays it or not. I understand? We don't. We don't know that right yep. now. Yep. Typically. Typically. Right. And that's that's what is going on here. That that's what's being tapped into here. So if okay, so let's again. I think the rad data would be wonderful. And again, we're on support on taking the data on and processing it. But just let's be clear. I'm I'm cool with being able to process the data. Right. Um, maybe even our web players that we produce will have, and, we, and we're going to have to look at the legalities of that. Are we going to have to do some additional? click to agree to allow your web player play to be, you know, we're, we're you know, we have to dig through that le legalities. And, um, right. But the question then becomes is if you've got pocket cast and you've got overcast that have said no, and as other app developers start looking at this, and there's probably 15, let's just say 15 other app developers. Maybe there's 20 that have podcast apps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those 20 probably only make up about 10%, 12%, 13% of global consumption right. combined. Mm -hmm. And then you've got 6 7%, maybe 10% at the most now for web plays. And then the rest is split between some, well, some Android apps and some, and Google po uh, Apple podcast. Again, every show is a little different. You'll have to look down your breakdown and see how people are subscribed. Right. So what if Apple says, nope? And what if Google says, nope? And what if these app podcast apps say, nope? Yeah. This is done. Rad is dead. D-A-D -D dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, I'm not sure that, that it's, that it's alive. Um, actually, <laughs> you know, well, I, my honest, honest opinion, I, I just I'm look, not sure that it is. We, when we, in, when we introduce subscribe on Android, we've talked about this a lot on the show, eight lines of code. We wrote eight lines of code that could be cut and paste into the app developers app. That's all we needed was eight lines of code and the instructions where to put it. It right. took us like three years to get up to 13 or 14 apps that were willing to cut and paste eight lines of code. Right. And it was me on the phone calling, you know, me in the conference, explaining what it does, doing a demo. You know, it took us that long, get that many lines of code. Now you're talking about a whole API of stuff. 
Right. Uh-huh. I don't know. Don't, don't know. know. I mean, and also, Todd, let's let's talk about too. What I mean is this the big breakthrough technology that the industry needs to achieve success? I mean, <laughs> do we even need rad? I um, guess is the bigger question. It'll, right? It's not going to hurt. No, it's good to have the data. Yeah, it's not. But, it, but so, you know, okay. So we've talked is about, is it going to be a make or break situation? Well, we've talked about this before. <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish for. Well, Todd, I think Apple, with their um, their tracking through uh, Podcast Connect, yeah. has kind of dissuaded any concerns on that, right? Mostly. Well, I think what you really get down to is, and now here, well, here's what it could really prove. Let's let's look at it from a positive standpoint. Right. Let's use the um, the the theory that we get a hundred percent adoption. In a. Okay, we get 100% adoption across the board. We're tracking uh, mm -hmm. web players. We're tracking apps. Apple's on board. Mm -hmm. Google's on board. They're all sending the data back. We're all big kumbaya, all right? And let's say that uh, your show was getting 1,000 downloads an episode, but the rad data only shows that 500 people got past your ad, okay? So okay. now you can only bill, bill for 500, but your advertiser's been with you for two years and they're already happy. They are thrilled with the performance of your podcast when you are delivering a thousand downloads. But now we know only 500 people actually listen to the ad. So in my mind, I'm like, hey, we're charging $20 CPM. Let's go to 40. <laughs> right? Right. Because you're happy. Right? Yeah. We've got the perfect data now, your performance is good, only half the people actually listen, this is the best advertising uh, venue in the whole planet, let's go to 40. You know what the, the media buyers are going to say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be very difficult to get the CPMs up. In, in, in display, it happened. When display had its um, when fraud was determined in display and they were able to eliminate a lot of fraud going on in display on websites, right? the industry said, wow, the display is really, you know, we've been paying this and getting this. We got rid of the fraud. We're stale, you know, so they were able to make the jump to push the CPMs up right. in display. And fraud is an issue in this medium too. So uh, it's not a big issue, no. believe, but, but it's there. Yeah. I would say it's very rare. We see fraud anymore. Um, or, or well, I think, purposeful well, I think, fraud. Yeah. I, most of our platforms have built in, um, uh, ways to catch it. I know we have, um, because I mean, for, for a while there, people were buying plays and downloads. Um, so, and, as long as you can detect that stuff and and see it and 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 block it and turn it off and those kind of things, it, it becomes less of an issue. Yeah. That's yeah. So if they all say yes and we're all on board and we get the data, then we have to be prepared as a as a industry to to not doom and gloom. Oh my God, the sky is falling. My revenue is going to drop by fifty percent. No, we have to be of the position. 
that and go back and say, listen, this, this, you're happy at 20. We need to go to 40 and you're going to get the same performance. You're still going to be happy with the performance. But if, if everyone doesn't do that, companies are going to go out of business. Right. So that's, in in a in a best case scenario. So probably I think what will end up happening though is we're gonna get some that will, some that won't, and then we'll have a percentage of the we'll have a bigger story to tell. We will not, I don't think we'll ever have read throughout the entire eco space. If we do, I I I'll be honest, I'll be shocked if I'll be shocked if Apple gets on board. They may Google, I think there's a higher chance of Google getting on board than there is of Apple getting on board. Yeah, no, but, I agree But with what's, what's going to happen with the listeners then? Are the listeners going to opt in if we have to give them an opt-in option? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to look at the Skype here to see if uh, our, our guest is coming in. Mm-hmm. Casey, if you're watching the show, you can dial in anytime. Yeah. I just accepted him in Skype. So anyway, that, you know, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Um, yeah. And we're going to have to put the tagging in and, you know, the, you know, the, it, it's a lot of work to tag shows. You know, we, we came up with Metamarks more than 10 years ago and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we understand the, the adoption, how hard it, because it's just like anything else. <laughs> uh, we gave this great thing called subscribe on Android to the community. And yeah. most people did this to us. That's okay. Our, our podcasters are quite happy and having a higher percent of Android listeners. <laughs> yeah, there you, <laughs> you go. Know, there, so, you know, it, it, they, it's everyone else's loss. So the question really then becomes is, do people give NPR the middle finger? You know, that's, you know, that's the problem. People don't like companies for some reason. It's all about sandboxes. You know, this is my sandbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, this is my stuff. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give someone else maybe a, an advantage here by adopting. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And if anybody can pull it off, NPR could. But if I came to the Rob, if I came to space, had, had come to space with Rad, well, we did. We came to space with Metamarks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, years ago, and everyone, you know, gave us the double finger, you know. So it's okay. But if anybody can pull it off, uh, NPR can. Yeah. Well, they've got the, the resources, and they've, from what I can tell, that they're really all in on it. But I'm, it seems like if they want to get it adopted, that they need to figure out a way to get a couple of apps to take it on and start showing some data, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I mean, it could be treated as just a sampling method of what's going on in the medium too. Um, it doesn't have to be on every app and on every platform and all this stuff. Hello? Hey, you know. I just rang Casey in. Oh yeah, hey Casey. Hey Todd. Hey guys. Hi, Casey. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, Casey, you just joined us when we're uh, discussing Rad, and I don't know how much you've been following the space, but we're we're just kind of wrapping up that conversation. But uh, for everyone that uh, doesn't know who Casey is, 
Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? So give everyone the 411. You're, you're a longtime podcaster. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my name is uh, Casey Whalen, and I am the podcast creator behind We're Live. And I've been doing it since 2009. And I'm kind of in the narrative podcast space. I, uh, I listened to podcast talk shows originally back when they first started back in 09 and saw it as a, as a great delivery medium for the next wave of audio entertainment and kind of have been here ever since. Right. Yeah, it's been a while. So I'm, I should have put up your lower third to see if I can actually do that. So it's the We're Alive podcast. And just so everyone knows, what's the website for that? Is it we'realivepodcast.com? Or? Uh, yeah, it's we'realivepodcast.com. And actually, it's Casey Wayland. Uh, Wyland is the oh, uh, painter uh, that everyone confuses me with sometimes. Yeah, I don't know how I... You know, just yeah. call me stupid. I must have. No, no, it's 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 the painter. Uh, everyone kind of associates <laughs> me with that painter who draws the fish and the whales. And they're actually he's from uh, Newport Beach. So we're actually from Orange County area. So actually, it does happen a lot around here. <laughs> I'm editing your lower third as as we speak. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. <laughs> yeah. So, Rob, uh, did you want to wrap up the the rad discussion and then we'll we'll switch and, and talk to Casey about his stuff? Yeah, and if I mean certainly if Casey has any thoughts on the rad stuff too, we'd love to hear that too. So um, I, I have yeah. to uh, be brought to speed on what rad you're specifically talking okay. about. Okay. Okay. Well, it's yeah, it's an initiative that the National Public Radio is pushing out there to be able to track um, playback um, at the player level and then have those oh. those uh, listens be reported back through the player back to the hosting platform. So if an episode is downloaded, um, then there's a tracking on whether or not that episode gets played. So, oh, okay. So that, so the discussion is, uh, like the feasibility of that and also what it would do for both, you know, all the hosting platforms, because then you have to then get all the hosting platforms to, you know, synergize with this one technology. So right. it might be a little right. difficult. Exactly. Yeah, well, that and plus it's uh, it's a little bit of a violation of the GDPR, and so there's going to have to be opt-in at the player level. And there's mm-hmm. not a lot of motivation on the part of the app developers to integrate this because there's no real benefit to the listener and there's no real benefit to what they're doing, and it just takes resources. So so the announcement that came out um, uh, about this uh, basically listed a bunch of hosting platforms and content companies but didn't really list very many <laughs> no. app, app platforms. Actually, so. zero. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's where, I mean, if you're going to track all the numbers, you need to track all the numbers. So right. I'm kind of curious to see what they want to do with that in the future then. It's true. And here's the interesting thing too, is you're going to put this data in your file. It's going to go in 93 tags. It's going to tell you where these signals are. This, this ping is needs to be sent when you get past an ad or when you hit start or, or you hit play, you hit stop. You know, these, there's actions that happen with a specific, um, you know, it's just basically the, the shuffle ahead and all this kind of stuff that's going to come through. So your, your phone is going to be actively going ding, ding, ding to some, some place in the sky. But here's the bigger challenge too, Rob is, and, and Casey, there's not going to be any central, uh, rad server. So for example, NPR, oh, NPR will have their own. Blueberry will have their own. Libsyn will have their own. Spreaker will have their own because, of course, no one, no one wants their data going to a central repository. Now, if we were all smart, 
<laughs> if, we were all, we do, yeah. if we were all smart, we would set it up so that there, this all went to a, a master location right. and it would be segmented so that no one uh, on another third party couldn't get access to another company's uh, you know, rad data, but the problem and is also not fudged in any way too. Is that you know right? right. So, but the problem is you got to trust someone <laughs> and mm-hmm. some entity uh, to run the master rad server in the sky. I don't think it'll ever happen. I think you'll have Blueberry. We'll say you put this in your MP3 tags. That's all cool. You know, that's a cool while you're hosting with Blueberry. But what happens when? They say, I don't want to be at Blueberry no more. I want, I want to go over to Libsyn. Yeah. <laughs> and then the media gets migrated over to Libsyn, and then all of a sudden they're still pinging us, and they're not pinging Libsyn. Uh, it's, it's, that has to be all worked out because we're going to have to redirect the rad pings too, not only the feeds, but the rad pings. So, Right. Yeah, because that uh, that that uh, URL that it pings is going to be embedded in the ID three tag right. of the of the MP three file. Yeah. yeah. So you know, ha- you know, it might work actually. Just thinking about it, because I've, I've actually been thinking about this technically in some ways too. Is what if they actually had like a master RSS redirectory that has all the RSSs of the world basically track through that one repository, and that way. It's like uh, old feed burner days where it's just redirecting the RSS and can track as the intermediary. Right. Interesting. That's that's an interesting idea. The problem you have then is is you've got people that have sandboxes that'll say, you can't have your RS feed over there. It's not trusted. <laughs> Yeah, it'd have right. to be, you'd have to establish some sort of like standardization, and everyone would have to. It'd have to be a neutral party, basically, yeah. somebody who's not producing anything, who's right. just basically a manager. Yeah. Well, Todd, the I advertiser mean, been, partners would like oh, it because it'd ahead. be standardized. Yeah. Right. I mean, Todd, this kind of raises. I mean, these topics are starting to raise an issue and issues that are that could be linked up with some association that we sure. we've been talking about, right? Yep. To help bring the industry together and um, come up with some consensus. If that's even possible, I don't know that it's possible, but um, if <laughs> anything's if to possible be able to, with enough right, charisma, right. <laughs> <laughs> but to have some sort of a, you know, a group that gets together that kind of wants to work together to come up with some solutions here, instead of having one group, you know, like NPR out there trying to solve an industry problem um, that, can be seen as a little bit, you know, like mine, my solution, my solution that I want everybody else to get by on, or it needs to be more of a neutral party. And Todd, like what you were talking about, we need to have a, we really should have a central depository to be able to, to track ratings. Cause what PodTrack is doing is not a complete solution, but it's also being portrayed as an industry ranker, right? But it's not, it's not even yeah. one tenth right. of all the shows that it should be in that list. Right. Yeah, and so you have that's, to submit to their system. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, yeah. and you have to use their 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 actual redirect in right. your URLs to be able to get tracked. And very few podcasts are using PodTrack's redirect. It's kind of so. funny because one of our enterprise clients uses our stats for advertising reporting and uses PodTrack to be on their top ten list. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. there's a the lot problem. of there's a lot of shady things going on in terms of statistics and numbers that you have to look out for out there because it's a lot of people like will float 
their uh, their impressions. There is a there is a way ahead on that, but uh, I don't. We've talked about that a lot in the pre private. I don't know if you know it, uh, Casey, or not, but uh, there is actually certification going on right now. There's six companies in the certification bucket from the IEB. So we're actually going to have companies that have, have um, been fully audited, basically their code uh, examined down line by line, uh, auditing. Oh, nice. Yeah, everything looking at log file processing, uh, safeguards. It's like a three or four month process. <laughs> yeah, and no, it's, it's, that, that makes sense. And it's an anal probe of uh, extreme measures. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. But yeah. <laughs> having, been through, well, having been through it, is, it is an anal probe. <laughs> well, that's good then. I'm, cause, so you, you're done with it then, I take it. We're done. We're just waiting uh, uh, for a little piece of paper. <laughs> nice. Very good. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, you, okay. you survived that, that deep probe. And I and yeah. I and Rob, yeah, we're going through it right now. Right. Too, so. Right. Rob. Rob's company's going through it. Rob's. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. we've talked enough. We've talked a lot about uh, IB stuff already in the past. So let's talk about. What you've been doing, uh, you know, this, are you, first of all, are you going to be going to PodCon? Uh, no, I'm not planning on it at the moment. I'm kind of uh, a little bit immobilized. I, uh, behind me, I don't know if you can see it. I'm, I'm kind of recovering from hip surgery. So uh, a lot of my plans have kind of been kiboshed for the last, you know, month or so. Right. So I have no idea what the next couple months are for me because I'm catching up on a lot of things right now. Yeah, PodCon, uh, Rob and I attended last year. I'm sending younger people this year, uh, but that's a whole different story. But PodCon blew us away. It was uh, basically it was basically a con, like a comic con, but for podcasters. And we had fans that were dressed up um, in character, uh, <laughs> doing all from, kinds of... From podcasts. From podcasts. Right. Yeah, doing all kind and there was all kinds of I mean like blown me away creative stuff going on, and uh, all, it was probably ninety percent storytellers that were there yeah. thinking about doing stories. So you've been doing this a while. You've been. Leaving. I gotta. I really should probably make it out there. I'm I'm looking at the dates right now ahead of time, just trying to think about it because it's it is. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know. It's one. Of, it's like I'm still not able to walk yet, so yeah. that's gotten a little close. But it's right. uh, you know, and maybe put it down for a follow-on year to go. If they, you know if they, what, 2020 might be actually be a really uh, a good one to target then, because I'll be I'll be up and running for sure by then. Hope knock on wood. Yeah. So you know, um, and I'm not. You know, I don't listen to a lot of storytelling podcasts. I know Rob does, but I guess let's talk a little bit about. First of all, why did you start doing a start storytelling podcast, and how's that how's that process been over the past ten years or so? Uh, it's it's uh, it's been a long process, and I, I kind of started out in a weird way because I'm I come from the film land, and I realized early on that uh, the indie route was starting to die because uh, festivals were taken over by, you know, there was no way of getting you as a screenwriter or a storyteller out there in a big way. Um, and YouTube, the shorts, I was like, ah, the video shorts aren't going to do anything. So I kind of was thinking about other ways of getting myself out there, and I like doing long form. And so uh, since I did a lot of sound design and film, and since I had done animation stuff with voiceover, it kind of found a good balance between them, married them together, and 
found that podcast was a great way to to get my my stories out there. Rob, go ahead. Tell us about your um, your journey with your uh, We're Alive podcast. I know when I was working on um, Zoom <clears throat> is when you launched that, and yeah, that was definitely uh, a, a a fascinating journey that you went on to get that show developed and all the seasons and and how you actually took that to market um, and and how you you know and what you learned about that process. Yeah, it's uh, that whole. The the way we're alive started and actually still continues because we're still uh, we're still working on it now with the next iterations. It's gotten it's never gotten more easier if that makes sense. Like it's complicated right. itself as it's grown. Um, so starting out, especially early on when there were very few models of people doing this in the industry, uh, there was I think one other person doing something, and so I kind of had to figure out how to you know create something from scratch and and yeah. the the seasonal model was something actually that no one else was doing at the time so i think we may have been one of the first of like oh yeah. no we'll do one season take a break then do a second season and so on and so forth so it's it's been a one big experiment and uh kind of an ongoing one too because i think even the industry now is still figuring it out and and i think in some ways we're ahead i think we know a little bit more about how to tell some things a little bit easier and communicate better through sound just because we've done it for so long than some of these ones that are just starting out. Um, but I think it's just something that will continually change and I continually grow over the next several years as well. So you're, uh, you started off with using kind of actors that were more, you know, um, more just voiceover people. And then, but it sounded like over the last couple seasons, you've started to use SAG actors and larger name actors in your productions. And, and obviously you had to develop some business models around that. Why don't you talk to us a bit about that, about how you basically, um, kind, kind of windowed this podcast, um, over the last few years. Uh, well, where, where I've started, uh, it was a lot of really small, um, I'm not going to say small actors. I'm going to say small casting in terms of like the budgets that we had just because right. we couldn't pay everybody a lot, uh, which limited who would be volunteering for these types of roles. But we actually got uh, an amazing feedback in the beginning when we first created this uh, and had a great bunch of actors. Actually, most of them didn't come from the voiceover world. And I think oh, that's actually oh, that's one right. of the things that gave us a kind of leg up is we just chose actors who were on the screen um, oh. rather than focusing on just voice stuff because – Weirdly enough, I worked with a lot of voiceover actors, and they get really voiceovery. They sound kind of <laughs> cartoony after a while. Like uh, they're used to kind of reading by themselves and not interacting with other people. And so when I would put them in rooms with people and have them interact with them, the voiceover actors really struggled. Whereas the real actors, not real in terms of, but the screen actors uh, would have more interactivity, more playability between each other. So that was kind of an experiment as well along the way. And then as it grew. Then we were able to kind of get more of the bigger names involved and uh, the the finances behind them kind of came because then we we're able to grab on the higher CPMs and the higher, uh, basically the bigger sponsors who then would work with the, the EPs and basically do like, you know, package buyouts and things like that. So you started out with the first season of We're Alive as a just as a free podcast, and those were like I think were they twenty minute episodes, something like that. Roughly, I yeah. The yeah. Uh, the entire actually the whole series is still available for free. 
the right. uh, the first season or first series actually is like 128 episodes, all free of right. all free still. But we have some pay versions that don't have advertisements or uh, commercial breaks and things like that. It's it's a little bit more of the remastered, clean version. Yeah. So you took um, that series and you created longer episodes. And did you sell them through Audible? Was that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. uh, so the the remasters. So the the way that it's formatted on the podcast is that the episodes were broken up into three parts, and those right. three parts were actually just part of one chapter. So what we did, we just removed the right. breaks, had it all put together. Because really, when we wrote them, we wrote them as a chapter. So when they were put back together, it seemed more seamless, and then the listening experience was more cohesive. But podcasting isn't exactly doesn't lend itself to that format as much. So it's interesting that the pay for medium actually works better long form, versus the right. podcast medium works better short form. Yeah. Well, plus you get more opportunity to embed, you know, any kind of advertising or whatever in that content too. So your, your, um, podcast version of it had advertising in it, right? So are you using dynamic ad insertion technology with that? Right now, actually. Uh, so for the last two hosting iterations we've done, we've done dynamic ad insertions. The first one we did was with art 19. Uh, and now that we're uh, partnering with podcast one, uh, we're basically having their dynamic insertion uh, system in place. So it's a lot of, they can change them out very easily. And matter of fact, actually, weirdly enough, in California, we have a uh, currently a cannabis ad that's partnered with the show that we created with the company that's actually specifically only to California because that was where it is legal. So right. it's kind of it's kind of fun. It's interesting how they can now centralize the uh, the advertisements to pay, depending on the regions. So as we expand and get a little bit bigger, we can then compartmentalize uh, region uh, ads. So do you see the market um, for storytelling podcasts really expanding here over the next couple of years, or where do you see it right now? You know, especially from your your position down in the LA area down there around. You know all these scripts and TV series that never get produced. Do you see a potential of a kind of an explosion of new content coming into the audio medium now? Oh yes, uh, and I have heard whispers and rumors, and uh, I've been in talks of a lot of stuff over the last uh, couple of years. It's been increasingly growing more and more as people have seen this as a very viable medium uh, for entertainment, and that's th- that's awesome for us because. Really, it just means that people are looking at this like, oh no, we we believe this is the entertainment ground that that you know that I actually thought it was too back in two thousand nine, and now people are finally catching on, and it's going to keep on going because uh, it's like the movie proving ground. Uh, it's allowing a lot of stories to kind of come out there in a low budget way um, and test and see how they do against the market, and actually be able to give them some dynamic feedback of, oh, here's our uh, metrics from Facebook and here's how, what our fan base is. And, uh, it's actually as, as these standards, like you're talking about earlier, get more concrete, we can actually give more statistical data to these entities. And basically it's, it's kind of fun because then we have more money to play with in the productions because we then have Hollywood kind of using it as a, as a backing ground for the next visual mediums. Todd, do you have any other thoughts? No, I just, you know, it's fascinating to me. And I I think a lot of people are probably thinking when you talk about hiring more mainstream actors was, whoa, what did that cost? What was your budget? (laughs) You know, so, you know, can you break it down on, you know, a rough cost per episode when you're bringing in 
uh, I guess what you would call mainstream actors or more well-known, someone that you may recognize by name? Cool. Uh, yes. Uh, and this is the tricky part because it's always one of those things where uh, there are two halves to every deal when you're dealing with a mainstream actors is um, they either are going to get paid up front a decent amount or they're going to get points on the back end, meaning uh-huh. they get percentages of royalties afterwards. So uh, some of the bigger name actors that I worked with on Bronzeville, uh, the point based structure that they were given on the back end and some of the front end, I I was not privy to specifically, but I know the the kind of the, the ballparks. But what it, I can actually say, uh, kind of, let me tell you what I can do on my productions. Because sure. Bronzeville is one of those ones where it's like, I can't tell you the point structure. So it's kind of like a moot point of how much they got paid up front. Uh, but for ours, if the, so medium, higher grade, and middle grade actors. Uh, so if you're a starting out actor, uh, the day rate can be anywhere from like 300 to 500. That's like somebody who's, who's SAG. Um, SAG, meaning the union that's in LA, the minimum you pay an actor for this, for uh, new media contracts is at least minimum $15 an hour. Basically it's minimum wage is the, as low as you can go for contracts. Uh, but you have the, the ability to negotiate points inside those contracts. Uh, so, but the typical ones that I've seen is about three to 500 a day for people who are, um, uh, a pretty, you know, starting out actor. And then if you get you know more qualifying, you can get to be about, uh, five, 600 a day. And then once you start getting the names, it gets to be maybe two, four, 5,000, just a session. So um, it depends on the kind of the name of the person and what your scale is and also the project, too, because I've been able to get people on a project just because like, hey, this is really cool and really fun. Do you mind? uh, This is the rate. It's not great, but it'll be a lot of, you know, fun experience in the studio. And we have a controlled environment where we're just laughing and having a good time. So it's it's one of these things where you kind of can entice people with not just pay, but also points. And also the kind of the the project is uh, a budding thing. So it's a kind of leverage how you get somebody. But you also have to be in Los Angeles. You got to be where they are. You can't be in Boise and do this. True. So uh, you can do remote. You can do remote recording. So yeah, I mean, I for anybody who's yeah. who's willing to do the who's willing to pay for the studio time uh, on top of the person's time, as long as they use something like. Uh, so we've used L.A. Studios in L.A., which is right off, right by, uh, where is it, uh, Universal Studios. And so we recorded Bronzeville there. And the great thing is they actually have remote recording studios with Skype. And so I've been able to re- remote record with them with uh, like Lawrence Fishburne or Lawrence State from wherever I'm at. And then they just send me the files afterwards and I'm able to then integrate them in. So while if you want to do the dynamic uh, reads where you read with them with two actors, it's better to be there in person. But you can still do the remote recording acting uh, for for other names as well. Yeah, it makes Casey, sense. Do you use uh, double ender technology for that mainly? Um, I or- don't particularly... If I'm if I'm ever doing like two people reading with each other, I've never done like the dual records. Um, okay. Typically, because uh, I focus on one person in a pickup. If I'm doing a remote, um, that's just my gotcha. personal preference. Because um, if I'm doing a remote session with two people, it's much much harder to focus on their qualities of both people because it's it's hard enough to focus on uh, a singular voice. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, remotes, remotes get very tricky, but in person, I can track about three or four to five to seven people easily because then you're in there and you can hear everyone and how they're interopting with each other. So it's much, much easier in person versus remote. So how do you see the market for these type of podcasts kind of, kind of developing in 
the evolution of this stuff because I know that there's been a lot of talk about, you know, some Netflix of podcasting coming about um, mm-hmm. as it relates to this kind of content. And also that, you know, we're starting to see some of these um, podcasts get converted into TV and, and possibly movies. And so, you know, like what you were just saying just a few minutes ago, you were talking about how this is kind of like a proving ground for mm-hmm. a story and how it can build audiences. That you think where we're going to really evolve into is that um, a lot of these stories come into audio first and then possibly move to the big and small screen? Absolutely. Like, no, it's going to continue to grow um, for that one reason. I think that one of the things that we're going to see in the next two to three years is we're going to see a couple big companies that are going to be strictly dedicated producing this kind of stuff and then working with deals to try and do tv stuff in interchange because the tv stuff is where the bigger money will be able to come in to support those larger companies but also once you get someone established then you'll be able to work better with your advertising partners i think one of the things that's really detrimental to the to the audio medium of storytelling right now is the advertising partners aren't always the best ones yep they're they're not supportive of what you're telling they don't work with the story you're telling sometimes and like the one we just did with with uh ease which was the 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 cannabis company was like we we worked into the story we're like we're stuck inside in the zombie apocalypse we can't go outside so uh we're stressed out a cannabis delivery service in california is awesome because you don't have to go outside and deal with traffic and uh so there's <laughs> like that kind of stuff is there's so many opportunities of really great interplay with stories and they did it back in the old time radio days yep. they just right. need to figure out how to do it again and the quality of the medium once that goes up these partners are going to come in there and be like awesome you got a listener base you got the story let's work with you and really make this more integrated and direct advertising and then you're going to get more productions because the money will start flowing through everything better. I had a very serious discussion at NAB with a, um, well, I don't, it was one of the, um, on pay on cable TV is one of those packages you pay for extra. Yeah. Ah. So I'll just give you, you know, one of those movie packages you pay for extra and uh, they do their own production. So let's just, you can kind of guess here. So anyway, yeah. I was talking with them and they said, here's our idea. He said, um, the series, you do 13 weeks or whatever it is, and uh, or, or 10 episodes, and you, you've got six months, or like Game of Thrones, now we've got, what, a year and a half off between the next run of Game of Thrones. And so I, he said, what do you think if we had the actors continuing the story audibly and filling in like these stuff you know you've got mm-hmm. something that happened in episode three that left some open ends or you could take this in the production cost he said would be a, you know a fraction you know if it cost uh, five million dollars to do a you know uh an episode of game of thrones probably more than that i don't know what it costs to do an episode of game of thrones but yeah, it's, huge. it's yeah. huge but if you have a hundred thousand dollars or twenty five thousand dollars and you could do a podcast episode or a series mm-hmm. after the series he said what do you what do you think and i'm like yes 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 that would be like wow and, and imagine the uh, to me i was like almost jumping out of my skin because i'm thinking we all have a specific series on tv that we watch even if we've cord cut we're subscribed to hulu or subscribed to netflix mm-hmm. versus you know and 
if there was a story after the story, you know, some, you know, like HBO's done those two minutes of, you know, narrative, but we're not talking about narrative. We're talking about the story continuing on a podcast. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. So any, have you been approached to doing that kind of stuff? Well, that's, I mean, I'll be honest, that's what I've been doing for a long time in terms of we're just trying to do more of that. Uh, matter of fact, actually, uh, right now, so we've done the audio medium and then, so our next one is, is gold rush, which is another audio one, but then we're also, we've worked now with uh, geek and sundry and legendary, uh, and we've made a show called we're life frontier, which is actually, uh, an RPG role-playing game set inside of our world that actually is creating active canon that works into the other storylines. So it's actually the story is continuing through this really cool uh, expanding new medium that's actually canon with the other stuff that I'm doing inside the podcast world. So and also I'm doing print medium, too. So we have audio print and then also this visual medium of the gameplay. And then one day, if we have the visual medium of television, we'll have that as well. So multimedia is kind of the story that I've been wanting to do with this for We're Alive for a long time. We've seen a few shows made in a TV series, but we really right. need never seen. Have we seen anything like this, Rob, where a show like theirs makes the jump and it becomes a television series where it becomes the primary focal point versus lore? Yeah, lore was one. The lore, lore was, was one. one. Yeah, and there's yeah. a couple yeah, lore, lore in, in the podcast Homecoming, uh, you know, with Gimlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, made that jump. And right. literally this week, Paul Bay just announced uh, Black Tapes is uh, has a NBC home. So there's there's a lot of stuff that's gets getting optioned out there uh, that's coming about. That like it, like I said, podcasts are the proving ground, and people are really picking up on that now. You know, any speculation what Lore got paid on that? Did they get twenty million dollars? Did they? I couldn't uh, say. Uh, it was probably points, options, those deals that are Hollywood contracts. Everyone is so specific that you don't know if they got a dollar <laughs> and a thousand points uh, or or fifty thousand dollars and no points. So right, like right. weirdly enough, one is better than the other, depending on how well it does. Right. So That's it's right. kind of like if it bombs, every one of these contracts are, con- are gambles in a way. You never know. Yeah. If it bombs, uh, the money up front's good. And if it's a, if it's a, uh, you know, a toy story, then the points are good, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, the little yeah. sunshine clause where like it's a small budget, but then rockets through the roof. And right. if you didn't have points on that, then you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. or and you're or yeah. you're or you're rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, or, and, that, those, and the rich can gamble more. Yeah, yeah. And those lawyers down in L.A. are uh, are sharks too. You know, yeah. On both <laughs> they, sides, I'm sure they right. are. And so, uh, even as a content <laughs> creator, you have to protect yourself and. Like, that's why as a writer, I keep track of everything I write down to the word, the T, everything in case ever one day you have to deal with stuff. So wow. you always have to CYA. So, yeah. So Casey, let's, let's talk a little about what's the opportunity um, for the broader podcast marketplace to tap into the storytelling stuff. I mean, we talked about PodCon, um, you know, and what Todd didn't say was, was that there's young people that are taking massive kind of, you know, kind of interest in this, right? I was shocked. Right. I mean, and I saw it up at the Vancouver podcast festival. I mean, a a lot of new people getting involved in the medium right now, 
um, see podcasting as a storytelling medium now more and more. I mean, it was really shocking to me. I mean, I, I went to some after hours events where, you know, that, uh, we had up on stage, you know, storytelling podcasters that were up there and the people in the audience were in their twenties and, and I could hear them talking behind me about how excited they, they were to maybe do this themselves somehow. Um, yeah. I mean, is there a, a pathway I mean, you think for, for regular people to get together and, and learn these skills rapidly and to produce content? It's, it's can, happening actually right now. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a lot of them out there that are using voices remotely that are combining them together. Um, it's, it's happening. Uh, there's a lot of communities around the audio drama world that are now building up. And I myself, I'm, I'm trying to foster them the best I can. Actually, uh, one of the things that I did was I wrote a book uh, called Bombs Always Beep that actually models creating modern audio drama and looks at the podcast model, but also focuses on, okay, so you're going to tell something in the audio medium, make it something that's audio specific, that's that right. uses the medium in a way to tell your story in a, in a positive way, rather than just using this as the intermediary of getting your story out there. Like, why are we listening to this? And I think that's one of the reasons why We're Alive works and why other stories uh, can work as well and why some don't work is because you know not all stories work for audio but it's getting easier and easier i think for everyone to kind of come into this space uh at the ground level with the availability of mics and you know more uh inexpensive uh, you know equipment you know i think the thing i want to go back to something rob said though that struck me and and he alluded to it is i said i'm not going to podcon and the reason i'm not going is because a 20 year old 20 something year old or even 18 uh, that is in this creative space. Um, the last person they went to is a 50 year old guy with uh, graying hair and, and balding. So I'm, you know, I'm sending the young members of my team largely because uh, th they'll be cool to hang out and interact with them. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm excited from the standpoint, you know, I, and I, I, I give this example, maybe this won't surprise you at all, but it, it really set me back in my, in my seat. I was walking around the day we were setting up at the first PodCon and there was an area, and I've told this story three or four times on the show already, but there was an area that had a bulletin board and it basically was blank and it said, create your own podcast um, advertisement flyer, something like that. And there were some tables over there with some books with uh, scrap paper and, you know, just everything you would think to be like a arts and crafts spot where you could tear stuff out and cut it up and, you know, block letters and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I, I'll be frank. I rolled my eyes and, <laughs> and, and I, I was like that, that's the stupidest thing. Podcasters will never sit down and create a podcast ad. I came back the next day and the board was full and there was like 10, 20 people sitting around these tables making these creative flyers. And I just like, Whoa. Whoa! I so you got to change your thinking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't an arts guy. I wasn't just. I'm not a creative storyteller. It's not. It's not who I am. So it to me, I was like, oh man, was I wrong? You you better wake up. And that to me was really kind of a point where I fully understood, at least at that event, that these are not tech show podcasters. These are not uh, business shows. These are not. Uh, these are these are not guys that are going to uh, do the next on fire show. These are storytellers. So for me, yeah, that was kind of the thing that set me back, and I was just like, 
you know, smack me in the face, you know? <laughs> well, so like, was, look at YouTube. YouTube is filled with so many young entrepreneurial, yeah. like hosting people who are just really good at communicating with people. And so the talk shows of, of podcasts, you know, aren't the same as YouTube because they see the faces, I think. But the I think the storytelling is going to be the next like that of podcasting. I think it'll be the the storytelling inside the podcasting world is so accessible, just like the people of the talent of YouTube is so accessible. It's I kind of equate them in similar ways uh, where it's just a better way for people to get their art out there and get themselves as you know, a storyteller out there. Right. Yeah, and I mean, are you noticing in L.A. is the kind of creative community down there from a uh, actor perspective and a and a celebrity perspective? Are they taking notice of this and um, being some of proactive them are. about wanting to get involved in these kind of projects? Some of them are, but then also some of them are hesitant. Um, I will be honest. When I first was sending out emails to try and get a big voice involved with a podcast several years ago, that was much harder than it is now because I had to explain what the hell it was. Now, <laughs> right. now I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, how much? Nah, I don't know. That's I'm usually sure. what it ends up I'm being. Sure. Uh, or, or we'd love to do it, but we just don't have the time. Thank you very much for your interest. So, uh, and it's one of those things where it's like all I wanted was like an hour in a studio in LA and I'll, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I, yeah, I, think I know a lot has, of them have been doing these, these animated movies, right. Um, mm -hmm. in that they'll go into the studio and voice those animated characters. And it's, it's probably not a whole lot different than that. I wouldn't think it's not, but the money's different. The money's better. The money's for that. different. Yeah, right. that's it's honestly that's and and they know that the visual medium is going to be seen by many more people uh, than than right. this. But wait until all of a sudden actors realize that oh, I can prove that I'm a better actor in the audio space than in the visual space because I have more creative freedom. Like at, on Bronzeville, working with Lawrence Fishburne and Lawrence State, like they and everyone who worked there, like, there was such a huge cast of amazing actors, and every one of them was like. This is this is what acting is. This is the raw thing that I love. That I'm not waiting for a camera. I'm not holding on set. I'm stepping up to a microphone. I'm jumping in the character all day. Like it's so much of a creative, cool experience for them. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the time when people go. I'd rather do this than visual. Mm. Right. Well, and I I wonder if at some point we'll see, let's say, an Academy Award for best audio drama or something. I don't. I mean, I could. I could certainly see something like that happen at some point. Um, but yeah. <laughs> right. didn't mean for that to come on my, my picture. Sorry about okay. that. That was cool. I didn't even know that feature existed. <laughs> I didn't know either until now. <laughs> hey, uh, I do have a, um, and since your time is limited here. So I, I think of uh, studios that are out there right now, Podcast Detroit, the folks, uh, the garage in Boston, and, you know, we're building a studio in uh, Columbus in, in our offices. And it's, it's a traditional sit down studio with five or six positions. Uh, what is the layout real quick? Is these all stand up booths that people are in? Are you at a table talking wow. to each other? How is the, I'm, I'm glad you asked because literally July, I just finished building my own that's specific to this. Um, and I built it kind of out of a, we don't have much space in California and cost of rent is yeah, high, but, yeah, yeah. 
but we actually got a little studio and it's very long. But what I did was I built it with like a wood frame inside the room and built a room within a room and within a room, so to speak. So the isolation of the wood and everything, it wasn't expensive, but basically what you're going for is you try to get a space that has zero reverb, meaning that there's no echo at all because echo gives the uh, environment paired with your voice. So you can't put anybody in any other environment unless it's at zero reverb. So you kind of want to build a space where you can do that, but also allow, A, it's big enough for enough people to be in there to, to interact with each other, but also cool so you can kind of you know have a comfortable environment, right. but also quiet for the audio. So it's kind of this, this really special mix, and you can, you can do the remote sessions, but really, just like theater, when everyone's in that room acting together, it is something that you cannot replace through any remote sessions. This can't be done because I'm, you know, for this to succeed, you know, you you've had, you know, nine years here to, to figure out the model and for yeah. others to do this, they're not going to have budget to go in the studio. They're going to be no. around a kitchen table or in a room that they've kind of thrown three or four mics in that they're trying to figure out how to make this work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think from um, our, my perspective is that the lessons on how, because they're already creative. They know how to do what they want to do. They have an idea. The mm -hmm. how may be missing in order to make, to create the best product. So, um, there's, a, there's always a way. Um, so that, that's the way that I've gotten to now, but the sure. gorilla way is still very, very easy. Actually, I'm sitting in a room. I wish I could tilt my camera because, uh, in the ceiling, I have one of these, uh, gorilla ways is it's basically, I have rolled up blankets into the ceiling, right. uh, that basically can drop down and make a four blanket box. Nice. And that was just enough. And, and people can do that in the garage and the living rooms to where they can just drop blankets around you. And then you have enough isolation or step into a closet and record into the clothing and your voice won't bounce back into you. Right. So there's a lot of ways of getting voice isolation without that studio environment. But, um, it's just about being creative and basically cloth just dampens sound. So how can you creatively do it? I know people who actually like they take their mattress, they put it up against the wall in their apartment, and then they they basically drape uh, was it blankets around it and all the way across so they have that isolation. Yeah. So if there's a will, there's a way. It just you have to find that way to dampen whatever extra noise you can. Yeah, in, in this room here that I am, I've got a monitor right here, and the monitor sometimes bounces the mm -hmm. audio back right back into the backside of the condenser mic, and so you, you end up with that reverb that you don't want. So. Oh, very, yeah. very cool. And it sounds and it sounds like you're in that space. So like if, if you were doing a bunker situation, that's a perfect environment you can record in there. And if so if you want to create a story around that, you could. That's so good. it's all about like maybe just finding the best way to story device your environment and yeah. what your restrictions are. Rob, any questions for Casey before yeah, he goes? Yeah. Yeah, Casey, uh, is there any resources that you know out there right now that um that a person can can go to to learn how to do these, you know, from a scripts perspective, from a, um, you know, a fully design sound depth. I mean, is there any resources that you're aware of that can educate? I know it's something that we're thinking about as a company of do doing some educational programs and working with talented producers like yourself to educate people on how best to produce these. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, one of the things I did last year was I set some time aside while I was ramping up for another production and I wrote uh, Bombs Always Beep basically as a model, as sort of a, a guide for anybody who wants to do this medium, because it talks about 
how to write script writing format for audio, what's important with that. Um, even if uh, you have a small budget, there's like guerrilla filmmaking or audio making uh, techniques inside of there. Uh, it's all about just really kind of, excuse me, being creative in the space and finding that right mix uh, for you. So that's uh, so the, the book is called Bombs Always Beep and it's on bombsalwaysbeep.com. And it's it's really only a $20 ebook uh, that will kind of give you a, a fully flushed version of what's out there and how to do it nowadays. A lot of the other stuff that I was reading ahead of time and I was looking out there, a lot of it covers the history of audio drama and old time radio, which is not beneficial for anybody in the modern era because those production methods and the, even the way they write is so different now. We can't use that as our model. So it has to be more modern. And um, right. so, yeah, so that's one of the, the resources that I put out there to try and uh, get more people into the space. Awesome. So what's your your preferred uh, recording tools or editing tools? Is it Reaper or is it something else? Pro Tools. Pro Tools still. Uh, Pro Reaper tools. is a great medium uh, and it's getting up there. But Pro Tools has more automation, more plugin tools that are more uh, within the workflow that I like. Um, because we okay. do such big multicast, multi-track recording, um, all the environments that we're in are all Pro Tools native. So it's much easier to take the session and then work it into our audio post-production workflow um, right out the gate rather than having to go you know, in between something else. Because we actually use timecode as like our guiding mm -hmm. uh, light between all this, this, the scripts. So as we go through and do script supervising in a script, we have timecode matching everything. Because we don't re record in order... Um, and we don't record in story order. So it's, it's really complicated once you get to a certain level of production, uh, and dealing with actor schedules like Bronzeville could not be recorded in order. So, and that was one of the biggest productions. We only had two weeks to record. So super, super crazy, like scheduling on my part for that one. But that's, but that manual and how I broke it down and, and it was in that book and it kind of made it so I was able to do like that crazy, uh, multitasking in that, uh, that production. So all all aspects of the production are in your script too, like the type of sound effects, the the time, uh, the duration, um, all those fully effects are built into the script, or is that all done in post post production? Um, you just add that one of one of the things inside the book that I do as a model or that idea is that the script is sort of like a working version of the story, but then when you're dealing with sound effects and stuff, that you can work some into the story, but really. Some a sound designer should come in later, look at the script, and start to make those decisions for themselves in the creative process. So it, it's how it works in Hollywood to where like you don't put any directing notes in the script for the actor because it's all going to be up to the director mm -hmm. and interpretation. So it's one of these things where you don't want to pigeonhole your script too much with sound effects or direction. You kind of want to just communicate the story best to the actor and everybody else who's involved. So it's just a matter of getting those sound bits that you need to, to put the puzzle together is what you're talking about. It sounds like exactly, exactly. And I kind of cover that in the book of like how you approach a story and how you start to think about it through sound. Like, uh, just yesterday, cause I, I teach a Chapman screenwriting and also audio direction stuff. Um, so one of the things that I'm, I'm very adamant about is really approaching sound in a, um, you know, creatively. Uh, and you, when somebody sits at a table like this, somebody comes in and sits down a cup and a glass they, there's actions that people do that make sounds in a character introduction that you have to start being aware of. So I talk a little bit about that and starting to think about sound uh, in a storytelling way and, and what something means. A creak in a chair can mean something more uh, and that kind of thing. And how can you tell story without dialogue and strictly only through sound? 
uh, and how not to exceed the limitations of sound because sound can also overload a listener. So it's a lot to consider in sound mediums. And I think a lot that goes on uh, that people don't think about because sound is is all infinite, but it's also finite because you can overload someone's senses very easily. Cool. Can you get like a sound effect library? Um, oh, plenty. I mean, is that available on, on online from the standpoint of um, standard sounds like, like you use, or do you produce all all your you know your sound effects and things like that yourself? Well, it depends on like if you have hard effects, meaning that like if it's a gunshot or something, those usually right. can come from sound effects library very easily, and those are hard for you to capture. Uh, but if a character is actually touching or interacting with something in a scene, it's almost easier to throw on a microphone and do it at your desk. Even if there's extra reverb in the room, <laughs> it's still going to work better than some of the sound effects you're going to find. Like if I have a character who's nervously fidgeting with a water bottle and they're tapping on it, they're like you can feel their fingers going through and they're like on the desk doing things. You can feel that nervous energy in the sound. And so you can perform it better than a sound effect. So it's kind of one of those things where you yourself has to determine is a hard effect better or is a Foley effect better? Yeah. Right. Right. Rob, uh, Casey has to roll. So we appreciate you being on Casey. Anything? uh, Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so just where can folks find you? Where's the best place for them to start? What's the Sure. Uh, so I'll do the massive dump of where to find me. So uh, so We're Alive, <laughs> which is our flagship show, is we're at we'realive.com. Uh, but then our other productions, excuse me, our other productions that we do uh, are on waylandproductions.com. And we actually have a new one launching this week called Improv Effects, which is uh, very much in this audio storytelling medium. But what we do here is we take improvisational uh, actors who are telling a story and then we have them record in the audio studio and then we remove all the sound around them and put them inside the world of sound. So we're actually doing some really creative experimentation and that actually premieres on uh, December 17th. So just on Monday coming up here. So uh, our next show is, is our next experiment is about to hit the block. So we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Thanks for being on with us and everyone check Casey's stuff out. Sounds cool. I definitely learned some stuff today, but uh, have a great weekend and have a happy holiday too. You too. Thank you, uh, Todd and Rob, and we'll we'll talk soon. All right, take care. Thank you, Casey. It was great. Bye, bye, guys. Bye. So, so Rob, wow. Yes. Um, it's not cheap to do these with the high level of actors, is it? No, I think that there's definitely different levels that that we're starting to see happen. I know I'm I'm hearing hearing more and more. Um, you know, productions coming out, right. That are taking advantage of these remote recording situations and, and friends getting together in, in producing these programs. And some of them sound really good. I mean, I'm, I've been really impressed and I know that they're low budget productions and, and I think we're, we're just going to see a lot of people jumping into this and creating different shows and, and so it'll be interesting to to see this whole market develop here over the next year because I think it's really going to take off, especially as the big guys down in L.A. start to really do more of this stuff. It's going to inspire a lot of others to want to do the same. One so. of the goals that I've given the team when they go to PodCon is that I want them to ask the question, were you here last year? Right. And did you start a show? And if you right. did, how did it go? Or are you still doing it? Are you on getting ready to do season two? Because most of these that are doing these are doing them in seasons. Um, so that's kind of the question I'm looking for to find out, you know, all those creative people were there. Did they, did they kick off and do something or, or are they still pod planning? 
their show. So it's um, to me, that's going to be the exciting part to see what's happened over the last year with all those creators. Right. Yeah, it definitely will be interesting. So, so anyway, I, I was great. And I think it's, it's only going to be something that, that develops more here in 2019. And it's going to, you know, it's, it's a new genre. It's kind of like what we went through when the, when the comedians got in, you know, and it's just kind of like another, um, you know, I think bump in the podcasting space that we're going to see over the next couple of years. And it's going to be driven by this, this particular genre of content. So, and that's really, really all it is. But Todd, did you want to, in the last 10 minutes or so, did you want to talk about some of the other topics in the space? Yeah, absolutely. We can switch gears okay. here. Er, start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, after, after that, I'm just, my brain is like, you know, you know it, it, one thing, about, I guess, Rob, I think the one thing that we have to really realize here is this space has just got infinite potential, doesn't it? Right, right. No, it is. And it's, I think we're just trying to get it figured out, right? Yeah. We're trying to make it as uh, as good as we can, as, you know, and, and there's a lot of creative ideas. I know that that's the thing that this, that's really uh, marked this industry from day one is there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of people pushing the envelope on, on things that they do, you know, this whole rad thing, which we kind of <laughs> beat up a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great idea. Uh, you know, oftentimes it gets down to how it's implemented or, or how it's done or, uh, whether or not the timing is right. And I think, you know, a lot of these things, um, you know, we just have to work our way through cause sometimes they don't make sense. Yep. Um, but you know, I know that the Nielsen folks came out with yep. some, research here that I'm um, saying that 19% of all U S adults are listening to podcasts every week, which I believe is up 2% from the Edison r- research data that came out last year. <clears throat> so 19%, I, I um, have, I'd like to see that about 50, but uh, it, I'll take 19. <laughs> right. I, you know, I, uh, that's, that's a pretty good number. If we're still, if we're increasing, if you think that 19%, of U.S. adults listen to a podcast that that uh, you know that that's, that's every that's an, week. That's every week. Yeah, that's though. an impressive right. number, to be right. honest with you. Yeah. So I, I think we all can be encouraged by you know by that statistic, but uh, they reduce. That's not a hockey stick. Growth, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> but they they do have this. They call it the total audio report, and. Yep. Um, Q2, they must be on a different quarter system than I am. Um, but uh, right. we, there's a whole bunch of data here, and it, it actually looks at listening time. Um, it, they actually break it down by hour, and I don't know quite how they, they got that. But the peak time for people to listen to podcasts, believe it or not, is between 8 and 9 p.m. That's at least what they say. Now, I I would have thought that eight, eight a.m. and nine p.m. Eight p.m. Or? and nine p.m. are oh, the peak just listening. Just one hour. Just one That's hour. That's the peak. Um, if you look at, hmm. for example, six a.m. Um, minutes spent seventeen point nine seventeen 
minutes and 19 seconds. At 7 a.m., 22 minutes and 37 seconds. At 8 a.m., 25 minutes and 22 seconds. And it continues to climb all the way through the day until at 8, at 9 p.m., people listen to an average of 37 minutes and 43 seconds of podcasts. And then it drops rapidly after 9 p.m., going down to as low as 10 minutes and 11 seconds at 4 a.m. So I don't know how they really figured this out uh, from a, you know, content shift, content uh, consumption standpoint, but this was looking at TV and radio and digital. um, And these lines all stay pretty close together. Radio drops off like a rock after, after 5 PM, as you would kind of expect. But um, once they get out of the car, right? Yeah. (laughs) But I would have thought that the listing peak would have been much higher between seven and 9 AM and I thought it would have been higher between 4 and 6 p.m. than all the other hours, but not according to these folks. I don't find, I find myself watching YouTube at about 9 or 10 p.m. That's when I try to catch up with the subscribe shows that I'm, because I've kind of wrapped everything up for the day. I'm down breathing and, you know, I basically have a little time to relax. I don't have time to watch YouTube at all. Matter of fact, right. we, we don't watch, we cut the cord. I, I, my TV watching time at this point is maybe limited to it a Saturday or Sunday afternoon watching a movie or something. I, I, I'm not watching yeah. any, t- hardly any TV. Yeah. I thought it was interesting um, that the, this, this Nielsen stuff came out and said uh, radio is still 92%. <laughs> okay. And then, and then streaming audio on a smartphone is 43%, which could be, I'm not sure how they break that out between podcasts and streaming audio on a smartphone, but yeah. um, I, I would think they would be related. Right. Um, and then the streaming audio on a tablet is broken out as a separate um, number two at 14%. Right. So it's, I guess it's, uh, it, it just means more people are consuming this stuff um, on digital devices. And, but, but radio appears to be still, dominating i guess I just, that's I, probably because of the car <sighs> i know <laughs> i get it <laughs> I, I i okay so i get in my car if my kids have used it bluetooth is selected right i change it i purposely change it to like fm and it'll be on bluetooth it it didn't they don't they okay radio right. screwed on these younger adults if you know Go ahead. If you're a radio executive, listen to the show and you let your kids borrow the car, put it on FM 100 or whatever. And then if your car, if the kids phones are synced with your car, when you get in next time, see if where the setting is on your radio. Right. Also, this cropped up again. Uh, well, I actually had to tease you a little bit, Rob. <clears throat> new and new, new and noteworthy. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rob, you had a little fun this week, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's called whack-a-mole, right? (laughs) And sometimes that whack-a-mole is in your backyard. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I had, uh, and it happens with us too. You know, we've, um, we have a, a writer, a blogger that does the blogging for the website and we come up with a list of topics that we want to cover. And then that individual writes the blog post, but 
he is not allowed to hit publish because <laughs> I go in and I'll read it and I'll make, I say, okay, good, good. Yeah. Oh no. Edit, 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 edit. And then, uh, then I'll let him know, Hey, recheck what I've used. This makes sense. And what it really does is it takes time. If you, if you're a company and you have a contract writer, it takes right. time for them to understand your voice. <laughs> right. And uh, so anyway, I, I know what you went through. I, but I was, I, I felt kind of bad for you. you. You got a little bit of uh shot across the, the brow by our, by your peers. <laughs> yes, I, I got some saying, Oh, Rob, thank goodness that your peers are looking out for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that'd have been nice if they had just sent you a little note. Hey, check this. <laughs> right, right, right. But no, it's no, go it for the, just go for the juggler. 12, all, 12 gauge shotgun. Over, right. It's all over pod news. All over social. Right. It's, yeah, right. So, so uh, quit worrying about new and noteworthy folks. Let's, uh, another topic that came up was how long should your podcast be? And I'll, oh, yeah, that damn topic <laughs> coming up again. Here, here, here's what I'm going to tell you. We're just about out of content for the day. <laughs> so, right. so your show should be as long as it needs to be where you can keep people engaged. When we start reaching for content, that's the time to say, well, that's I'm it. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're a prime example of that, but you know, it comes back to this average commuting times of 26 minutes. And if you make your podcast longer than that, they may not come back and listen. And you know, the overall average length is 43, you know, <laughs> Uh, there's some shows out there that I listen to on a regular basis, two hours and 34 minutes. Um, you know, it's all again, Todd, it's about the content. Yeah. yeah. Todd, I also liked, uh, uh, Roman Mars's quote in the pod news too. It was say, if you have a hundred thousand listeners, which so many podcasts do, right. um, <laughs> and you edit out one useless minute, you are saving a hundred thousand wasted minutes in the world. You're practically a hero. <laughs> okay, so I'll try a little experiment here. We do not edit. I've just wasted five seconds of your time that you can't get back forever. So that is, yeah, right. it, it's, it's. I understand where he's coming from. I do too. I do too. But it's. But it's funny, right? I yeah, mean, it is. It's a funny quote. I can't. I can't believe he was serious about it. <laughs> you know, the goal is to have long, have them listen longer, stay more engaged. So that means they're not going to listen to another show as much. No, I, I, I truly believe that you have to respect your listeners' time. Right. You know, and I tell my audience if I'm going to go long, I'm starting to go long. So I'm apologize. I'm going long here, folks. But this is too good. Let's continue to go. You know. <laughs> And usually, and usually yeah. the emails I get back when I apologize, like that is stop apologizing. It was great. More, 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 you know, and, and, uh, I don't get the, like you, you took an extra five minutes on the show. Damn you. I'm unsubscribing. You know, it, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Todd, you're just not respecting your uh, listeners time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should edit out every, um, ah, uh, and any useless content, right? That's the. But what is useless content? I I think you know, context is important. It's it's I mean useless is such a subjective term, right? Right. 
And who's I'm, it useless for? And I'm sitting here not. with a, you know, doing live video, and I've got a runny nose, and I didn't bring a Kleenex in here, and I'm wiping my nose with my hand, and, and I'm sure the the viewing audience is like, gross, yeah, you know, but the list, but the listening audience didn't know I was doing that until I told them, you know, so. Um, Oh, you shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> but you know, it's it, wasted. It's waste, a wasted ten seconds. No, but there's, you know, I, I think the story and the situation and what's going on in a show and the the pauses and you know, sometimes yeah. if you have a if you have an editor that's editing your show and you have told this big story and you want to make a point and you stop with this dramatic stop and then they come back right. and cut that out. Because they're just looking for gaps. You've really jacked your show in what yeah. you're trying to put across, right. you know. So some editors don't listen. They just look for gaps. Oh, we can, we can get a second there, a second here, half a second here, bup, 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 bup. And But Todd, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think the question that it comes up in my mind when, when I hear this discussion is, I mean, we've been talking about this, this issue for years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and why is it coming up again now? I mean, I guess what is, what has changed no, oh, in the medium that, that, that is driving this, this view that we would never have heard before. Someone needed an article to write and was saying what we're going to talk about. And I said, well, I haven't talked about how long a podcast should be in about a year. So let me do another article on how long a podcast should be. That's why it's coming up. Well, it's also about editing too, right? I mean, it's it's got both of these things. And then one of the other parts that was talked about too is, you know, how long should a podcast be? You know, as long as it needs to be, right, but right. Not, not one minute longer. Try back soon. Well, we, we triggered uh, one of the devices here. You know, not oh. to give James a hard time because James wrote this, is that, you know, oh. maybe he's looking for content. He's got his opinion and he wants his opinion to be known and right, he's right, got it. Which is fine. You know, and, and maybe he hadn't written about that. So, you know, I, I don't begrudge someone for writing an article, but, you know, even us, sometimes I'm like, well, we haven't touched on this topic in a while. It's a good time. Let's go back and hit them again. So, right. you know, from that perspective, I think it's important. I'm not saying that article is bad. I'm just, it's just, it's, it's a conversation that continues to come up again and again. But we also have to remember, Rob, uh, 5,000 new people are joining podcasting space every week. Right. And, and these topics keep coming up over and over again because they're, they're topics that are of interest to those new podcasters right. too. Right? Because most so, of them are not going to go back right. and listen to 230 episodes of the new media show and get a PhD in podcasting. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, I, I also think this is, this is a reflection of development in the medium um, towards a perception of quality. Right. Right. And I think this, this drives this kind of agenda um, of, you know, editing is a differentiator, right? It's a way to make your, your program sound better or higher quality than someone else. Right. So yeah. there's a little bit of a competitive motivation behind this. Um, does it really create, um, better, higher quality content? I, that's, that's debatable because it's all subjective, right? Yeah. Useless content to one person is valuable content to another. I don't know how you make a blanket statement about that. Well, I think what it really boils down to is you do what you want to do. It's it, there's right. no rules here and you can right. take whatever suggestions people give and throw them out the window. Right. I mean, I do editing on, I've been doing editing on podcasts yeah. for years and sure. I think that there is 
um, a qual a little bit of a quality element to this discussion. Um, but, but, but I think you need to talk about that part of it. I mean, I think this concept of a useless minute isn't clear enough yeah. on what we're talking about here. You know, and, and it's well known. I don't edit because I don't have time to edit. I'd be divorced if I had to edit. Right. You know, and I didn't want to pay someone. I got to survive. I got to keep the lights on, keep the food, family fed. You know, it's, I look at that from a budget and also, and you know, a lot of people right out the gate are paying people to edit. I'm like, okay, that's good that you've done that financial commitment. Um, but I think there goes a lot to doing your own. Well, this has been debated 25 ways to Sunday. So I I I mean, Todd, do you think that you would have been a more successful podcaster if you would have done more editing? I think that's the question here. Huh. I wouldn't be podcasting. I would have quit. Okay. Well, because because I, if I had someone else to edit for me, sure, probably would have been better. But if I'd have had to edit myself, there's no way. I'd have quit already. I couldn't have stayed, sustained 14 years of doing a show. There's no way. Okay. So it's it's um it's it's really an endurance question for, for you. It's for me, being able yeah. to, to keep up with, with being able to do this. Yeah. It's and not I, a quality question for you. You know, and, and, and I even hired someone this year to do pre-production, help me get the content ready to go with the show. And it's, it's been a godsend to have him as an editor, I mean, or a, a producer of the show. And I come in and I pick up, I review and I go through and I might add four and him and I are in sync, you know? So I found someone that was an extension of myself, but I got lucky in finding that person, you know? And so I did save some time. I save an hour. I say that for me, that saves me an hour, a very valuable hour. Um, Yeah. So I guess it all depends. And if if you're paying for someone to edit, maybe it's saving you. It's worth it to pay that person because your time's more valuable and you, you're paying that person to two hours of editing so that you can focus on the content. So I'm not begrudging people that edit at all. Well, and I think a podcaster can, can learn from going back and spending time with their audio like that too. They can learn about, you know, what they're doing in their program, how how it sounds, how maybe to improve. But, Um, But I also think that there is a, you know, there was no editors when we started doing this, Rob. There was no businesses that were editing podcasts. People couldn't have survived, number one. They would have been, right. you know, yeah. uh, it is just couldn't. Rice and beans is what, you know, that's the that's how much money there was in the early days. But now people are making a full-time living editing. So it's a little bit different situation. I get credit where credit's due, but I'm just kind of old school and I'm not going to edit. <laughs> well, and these... These storytelling podcasts like they we have talked to. about on the show that this week are heavy in the post-production. Oh, they have to edit. But they're also heavy in the pre-production side, right. too. So you you have to be, you know, you have to be diligent. Those aren't the kind of productions that you can probably realistically, I don't know, I'd like to see someone try it, but to produce one of those things live no. would be an interesting production, right? Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Floyd did some live. Right. Yeah, but, you know, two or three hours, you know, he's probably got 10 hours of prep who knows how that's why the cost of what they're doing has got to be remarkably expensive. So there has to be remarkable returns for doing that. You know, you, you've got to generate some serious revenue to pay for all that and still have enough money to, you know, to eat. Um, 
I, I think it's a big part of it. Now for this show, you know, we we'll slap it together an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes, we're done, you know, and I have about another 35, 40 minutes worth of work to get the show up online. Once we get done, yeah. it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. But if I had to spend two more hours on it, we probably wouldn't be doing the new media show. <laughs> right. And, and kind of lead into kind of probably our, our final topic here sure. is talking about this new, uh, roadcaster pro that came out. Yeah. Everyone's um, raving about it. Everybody really, really likes it. It so far, it seems like it, it has the juice to power, uh, SM seven B. Awesome. So at least that that's the impression that I've gotten so far. Wow. That's, um, that's, that's, yeah. that's saying something. Yeah. And it's got, you know, it's got some capabilities. It's a little on the spendy side, but you know, I want to hear that. I want to hear an SMB seven hooked up to that at just no, I want to hear no edited audio. I want to hear raw audio and just listen because here's the key. I guess I'm going to have to buy one. I really was not needing to buy another toy. Um, but are you really going to use it, Todd, with the setup you have there? Uh, I could, there's some situations I could use it and believe me, I'm always farming stuff out anyway. So maybe, um, but to plug the mic in and just listen to it with the amps at a level where you need to be. And he, and if it doesn't go, right. if you don't hear the white noise, if it's clear, then you winner, winner, chicken dinner, uh, sign me up. But I, I mean, it might be a good, good, uh, mixer for you for your Columbus studio. Right? Uh, Columbus studio is, got eight positions so it's oh it's got eight positions so yeah this doesn't support eight positions. yeah we're wiring it for six but we can go to eight if we have to okay i think this one is only four what, f- three or four something I think like that four i think yeah and i think it can bring in um uh calls on your mobile yeah i think that's cool bluetooth that's, also yep that's and really slick and a skype and a skype connection as that's well. really slick so smart right. on them for doing this no more have to worry about mix minus and all that other stuff. Oh yeah, that was always so hard to explain to podcasters it, how to get that set up. And on if that it mixer. will do Bluetooth with just a regular phone call, right? Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. You know, you today we were really we had good audio all the way through the show on Skype. You know, I would often tell people. Uh, you know, sometimes I've gotten asked questions. You and Rob in the same room. I said, you watch the video portion of the show. So Skype serves a good purpose, but I, I would be curious to hear how it sounds just over a, a phone connection. I think Skype's better than a, a phone connection, but. Oh, but, by far. But, yeah. but we'll see. We will right. see when, because uh, if you're connected via Bluetooth, it might be a little different. I, I don't know. Yeah. And we'll have got, to see on that, right? Yeah. It's got a soundboard and everything too. So you can play some jingles or whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah. It's got like a, it's got like eight touch touch uh boxes on yeah. the you know the, you know if you have like intro or exit or something like that mm-hmm. now now one thing i did notice in there it didn't appear to be numbered which um which would be helpful <laughs> so i think that if this i'm thinking about stuff i do live and going around and matter of fact i'm testing my i'm going to have my kitchen table all full of the gear i'm taking to ces this afternoon and having all everything plugged in <laughs> Right. And doing the pre uh, pre test pack out. Uh, I could think that this particular box might actually be good in a live situation where you have uh, four people, uh, no more than four people on a, you know, a, a live remote type of thing where it'll hook into um, right. a system that's actually doing live streaming as well. So 
again, I guess I'm just going to have to get one. It's 600 bucks though, man. Right. And it, and it also records, um, inside the, the mixer too. Right. So it's not just a pass through device. It's actually a recorder as well. There was a, uh, external recorder that we bought for the studio. Let me see here. Mike sent it. It's from, I think it's from Plantronic. Let me go see if I can find a link, if I can bring it up here. But being there it is. It's no, it's a Denon. It's the Denon DN-300R solid state SD and USB audio recorder. This mm -hmm. thing, I'm going to be honest with you, for $199, for those of you that aren't mobile, for those of you that have a, a studio, let me see if I can bring this up. Uh, also, uh, show a photograph of that new Rode. Oh, the Rode pa Pro Podcaster. Too. Yeah, so here's the yeah. Denon. Right. Um. I, we really like this particular device. Let's see if I can find it here on the Close Road Podcaster. I think it's called Road Broadcaster, isn't it? Uh, Roadcaster Pro. There it is. So if I can bring up a better, it says top seller. <laughs> All right. There it okay, is. Okay, so so it has different colors on those touch pads. Yeah. But a uh, pretty simple device. Let's see if we got some additional pictures here. All right, let's look at the back view. So it's got XLR inputs, four XLR inputs. Four, see, this is another thing that's uh, smart. Four headphone outs. You know why I like this? Right. This is almost worth the purchase of the device in itself. If you have more than one people, you have to buy a splitter. You have to buy a headphone distribution system. So what's well, a separate box that you can funnel right, audio into right. and but, then route to different headphones. But right. this, yeah. you can have four people all jacked in at yeah. the same time. So this is big. This is, this in my opinion is the smartest thing that they added to this whole thing was the four headphone um, outputs. Yeah. yeah. And it's small. And I, I, I'm hoping that they're selling a case for this thing. So you can put it in a, a case to, to move around right. with it so that the sliders don't get damaged when you're transporting. And it's also got the a fix. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, um, it's got the a fix, I think big bottom, uh, in case can you zoom in on it a little closer so people can see it? Yeah, I think that was it, more. Rob. I think that was, oh, a, is it? yeah, okay. I may, I might be able to see if I, oh, there we go. It's got this Aphex. Most people have no clue what the Aphex big bottom is. This show I use for my audio path, something called the Aphex big bottom. It's a box. It's the oral exciter. <laughs> and, <laughs> Well, that's not bad. Okay, so that's really what it's the box is called. <laughs> the big bottom Arl exciter is and it is a secret weapon for the show in getting some of the the tone I've wanted. And it right. sits right there. Two channels. I don't run you through it, just me. But it's a silver box. It's on the bottom. So when I saw that this box has the Apex big bottom Arl exciter on it, I was like, whoa. Oh, Oh, another thing that made me kind of sit back and say, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. So that's, 
that's really a compressor, isn't it? No, it's a it's no? an audio processor. It helps with, and I don't see where you make the settings on that. I don't know if you do it via software. It's probably, it's probably automatic, I would think. Maybe automatic, but with me, I can adjust it how much tone, and it's, it has nothing to do with a compressor whatsoever. But this doesn't oh, have okay. a, this doesn't have a compressor. So that that is the probably the single limitation of it, but. And I'm looking at it here again, and I'm saying, okay, so I see everything in and in. It's recording on its own. It has a left, right, out. So if you want to feed that into a, a different device, for me, I would feed the output into a, a TriCaster. So that would, you know, basically, I could, I think this will do everything I need it to do. I, I may just have to buy this and take it to CES and use it. Yeah. If it's that good, if the, if the, I was waiting to hear the reports on the preamp. So, well, it would be a way also that you could potentially get get a backup recording too of anything right. that you're doing live. Yeah, always run two recorders here anyway. Right. So, God forbid something goes sideways. I'm actually doing three recordings. Believe it or not, the TriCaster does one. I do video capture over here, and then the audio. So I really, I'm kind of backed up three ways. But most people aren't running the type of setup I'm running here. No. All right. We've gone way, way long here. So, um, okay. Road, Roadcaster Pro Integrated Podcast Production Studio, five ninety nine. And I believe it's uh, shipping. They say pre order <clears throat> here on, let's see, I'm doing a request, a stock alert. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. It's, some people are getting them. So it's supposed right. to start shipping on the 15th, which is today. So, um, we'll have to see who has them in stock. All right, everyone. I'm Todd at blueberry.com at geek news is my, uh, Twitter account. Of course you can find me, uh, at geeknewscentral.com or at newmediashow.com. We want you to subscribe to the show. Please do. If you haven't already, Rob, Rob at, uh, uh, voxnest.com. Uh, also on Twitter at Rob Greenlee with two E's. So those are the best place. And you can certainly find me at robgreenlee.com too. So it's been our pleasure bringing you the show today. We'll be, I think we're back next Saturday. I, I, I'm, I'm still here yeah. and around. Okay. So uh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll be on for the 22nd. Give you something to listen to as you're getting ready to go on Christmas holiday here. But uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on the new media show. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Bye.